the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Town Hall Review Podcast, where we bring you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Our podcast is brought to you through partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece that I trust you'll enjoy. Senator Ernst, I know you mourn with the rest of the country on the loss of uh, Kobe Bryant. I I imagine the impeachment proceedings will pause this morning to uh, recognize he and the eight (laughs) other people who died this morning just to to uh, recollect his life, right? Uh, well, impeachment will continue, but I certainly do extend my sympathies to his family. What a what a tragedy! But you know, life continues uh, here in Washington D.C., and we will continue to to plug on with the impeachment trial. And I have a question about that. One more question before we get to the impeachment trial. Coronavirus has come to the United States. I'm back in California. I came back on Saturday, Friday night, actually. Came through LAX. Mm-hmm. In L.A., in Orange County, there are two cases. Why is the CDC not announcing the flights on which the patients came, the airports through which they traveled, and any public spaces they may have been in? Even though I understand patient privacy, you don't want to name the hospitals, although I know one of them in which the patients are. But you do want, I think, to alert people to the flights, airports, and time and point of entry, don't you? Yeah, I think that is important, Hugh. And this way, folks can at least be aware if they were on a flight, then they certainly can be watching for symptoms. They can, um, of course, alert others that they've been in contact with. Of course, we don't want mass pandemonium, but we do need people paying attention to this, and we need to monitor the situation very closely. So CDC, I know, is working with many of these states. They are working with state and local authorities, but the public needs to remain vigilant and take those precautions. And so I would agree we need to make sure our folks have the most accurate and updated information as possible. Yeah, I really, I cannot understand why they have not published flight, airport, point of entry, and public space exposure without naming names or hospitals. It just makes no sense. So I hope you and your colleagues, before you go in to sit down, now the big question of the day, you're going to support a subpoena of John Bolton, given the story in the New York Times this morning. Well, I think that we have yet two days of uh, argument from the White House counsel. We'll see if they address this point. And again, I have said time and time again, regardless of who the witness is, what the situation was, we need to get through phase one first. Let us uh, ask and have our questions answered. And then once we are through that phase one, then we will determine, you know, is this something that needs to go back and be addressed? If it is, then we... uh, uh, as a body, we'll decide that. We will either vote to have witnesses subpoenaed or we will uh, not. And my point is uh, overall, though, and I've said this before, is that the House had every opportunity to subpoena these witnesses. They could have taken the time to go through the court system. They chose not to do that. They were in such an all-fired hurry to get uh, this uh, impeachment process done by Christmas uh, and move it over to the Senate, you know, whenever they 
chose the appropriate time, I guess. But, you know, they want us to do the investigative work, and that's not the job of the Senate. It is the job of the House to put together a solid record to send to the Senate for review. Uh, They obviously did not do that, um, but we'll, again, determine after we've gone through the next several days what that next step will be. Will we bring in witnesses or not? Now, Senator Ernst Donald Trump, the president, has tweeted this morning, the Democrat-controlled House never even asked John Bolton to testify. It is up to them, not up to the Senate. That seems to be the argument you are making. Let me give you both what I see to be the argument in support of that and the argument against it. The argument in support of it is, yes, this is a trial phase, but during the indictment phase, you knew that Bolton might have relevant information and you chose not to subpoena him and fight that legal battle. Therefore, we will not introduce it. The Democrats will argue in return that it's new evidence. And I believe the president's counsel will argue it isn't new evidence. You knew and chose not to call so that you might complicate the matter. And the precedent we will be setting is the Kavanaugh precedent of late arriving hits if we honor that. So do do either of those have any greater weight with you right now? Well, I think the opportunity that they had, and I I would go back to that, because John Bolton would have been someone working very closely with the president. Why did they choose not to uh, bring him in, have him interviewed? Why did they make that choice in the House? Um, Whether the book is out there or not, they could have asked these same questions. So that would be my argument, is that they had the opportunity to bring him in. They chose not to do it. Now, why did they choose not to do it? They will have to explain that. Um, but again, I, I will reserve my, my judgment until after I've heard from, of course, the White House counsel. I want to hear what they have to say on this issue. And then as a body, we're going to have to vote and make that decision. And this is not an easy process. And I hate that we are even at a point of going through impeachment. I think this is very hard on our country. I think it is further divisive of our people and, uh, you know, folks at home in Iowa. They want to see us getting work done. Uh, This is not helpful to that. And I get very few questions, actually, about impeachment. Now, Senator Ernst, last week I made the argument in the Post that you don't have to worry about the next 100 hours or 100 days or even 100 months. You have to worry about 100 years. And if, in fact, using John Bolton is a very strong case now to call a witness in the middle of a proceeding, but for the fact they ought to have called him in the House, what matters is its impact on future impeachments. And now I see if you reward the demand for a witness however relevant now, you'll be setting up every future impeachment to punt on witnesses and call them later. Has anyone discussed that in the in the caucus yet, that everything you do is a template for every impeachment that follows? Yes, absolutely. And before we had this uh, revelation over the weekend, it is something that we have discussed as a caucus, is that uh, the bar has been set so very low already through this impeachment proceeding that now should we have a different president in the next term, you know, the day after an election, are we going to say, okay, well, we're going to impeach this president and we're just going to make up something to take him to impeachment on 
on. And then oh, we'll just continue to try and dig up evidence and we'll just throw it, punt it to the Senate and, and then we'll bring up witnesses later. You know, is this really the way that we want to run our country? I don't believe it is. Impeachment should be used for the most serious, serious of things. And I don't know that we've hit that bar. But again, we've got a couple days of argument yet. We have a lot of questioning to do. Um, but I think that we have gone about this very, very poorly um, as a body. I think that uh, the House was, they were hell-bent on impeaching this president, and it didn't matter what it was. They were going to find a way to impeach him. You know, I have seen your comments over the weekend. You were very impressed with the White House lawyer's two-hour presentation. I believe they're going to wrap up today. Do you believe they will wrap up today? I don't know that they will wrap up today, again, given the information that came out yesterday. Um, but I would love to see them move right through. They are clear. They are concise. They are presenting the whole of information, not just the partial statements, you know, half-truths coming from the House managers. Um, there were a number of them that presented information that was absolutely inaccurate and taken out of context. What the White House counsel has been able to do is put all of that together in a concise, meaningful message. Um, So I intend to to listen very carefully today. Uh, Hopefully they will wrap it up. But again, if there's additional information that needs to be addressed by counsel, uh, it may take them a little bit longer. But again, we need to get back to the people's business. And hopefully we can do that in short order. What is your opinion of Adam Schiff's credibility after two hours of the White House Council presentation? I think he has set the bar very, very low, very low. Um, Mr. Schiff has presented half-truths. He has twisted information to be beneficial to the House manager's message, again, leaving pertinent information out and, you know, basically constructing a falsehood out there uh, surrounding so many of the issues that they felt were key and, and centric to their argument. Now, when you put the whole story together, boy, they were really pulling at strings. And if that's the way we want to see uh, this president taken down, um, shame on all of us. Does, because if they want us to get to the whole truth, they need to present the whole truth. Does Mr. Schiff have any credibility? No. At this point, I don't believe he does. Now, now I want to return and conclude with coronavirus. Uh, China's got a major problem on their hand. Uh, The markets are very disturbed this morning. They'll settle down after a day or two. Same thing happened in Asia. But uh, do you believe that the White House is on alert, that they have uh, done everything they need to do to assure America? Because President Obama got beaten up over a... uh, Uh, a weak Ebola response when Ebola became a pandemic. Do you think the White House is prepared? I think the White House is prepared on this. And again, I know that the CD. Uh, CDC is providing regular updates to Congress as well. So they'll continue to work closely with state and local health departments. Um, My great fear, though, is that the media is paying so much attention to little, um, you know, little things that are occurring in the impeachment trial and blowing things like that up. Not that it's not important. The impeachment is important. But this virus outbreak is very important as well. And if we could just get that message out, out across the United States, I think it would be a lot more helpful. 
Good. I hope you have time to call the CDC today and tell them to be more transparent, not less. Senator Ernst, thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you, Hugh. Have a great day. You too. I'm going to have a lot better day than the senator is because I don't have to go to the impeachment hearing. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. I want to talk to you for a moment about ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. We saw this week how valuable and how strategic the efforts of ADF are as they contend for our first freedom in the courts. They are really the best and the brightest contending for the values we share. Go to townhallreview.com to find out how you can join Alliance Defending Freedom to help ensure that the opponents of freedom don't dictate your future. That's townhallreview.com. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. This is Michael Medved for Town Hall. A new study of the aging process demolishes one of the chief leftist claims about health care, that government control can eliminate inequality. The research, conducted by Harvard and University College London, looked at more than 25,000 people over 50 in the U.S. and the U.K. In both countries, subjects with higher net worth enjoyed an identical advantage of eight to nine disability-free years compared to those with little or no personal wealth. The results shocked experts who expected that Britain's highly touted government-funded national Health Service would produce more equal outcomes than the United States. Data strongly suggests the real difference in health and longevity reflect common patterns in both countries, where the poor are far more likely to smoke, to consume unhealthy diets, to abuse drugs and alcohol, and shun regular exercise. In both America and Britain, health depends less on government programs than on lifestyle choices we can control. I'm Michael Medved. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.